We got a vice presidential debate going on tonight. We've got a media apparatchik trying to sow fear because the president actually survived coronavirus. I got a hundred other stories just like it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833 got Tony, 833-468-8669. But first, Senator Ted Cruz joins us right now, of course, from Texas. The new book, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. You can get that at Amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. I got to tell you, sir, the only thing I'm upset with by the book is that I didn't get to do the voiceover for the book, for the audiobook. Very Very disappointing for me, but great to have uh, you here. And while I do want to talk Supreme Court with you, I do want to also discuss uh, the, the, the book with you, because did you know when you were writing it that you would be in this exact moment with Amy Coney Barrett, President Trump and the fight against the media? Well, Tony, it's good to be with you. No, obviously, I, I didn't know that. Um, I, I wrote the book this spring and this summer uh, during the COVID lockdown, and, and I was working from home in Houston and sitting in my living room, and so I, I pulled out my laptop and, and, and began writing it. And, and at the time, I had no idea that we would have a Supreme Court vacancy in October, but obviously I knew we would have a presidential election in November, and and I think judges and the Supreme Court in particular is the single most important issue on the ballot in November. And so I wrote this book really to underscore the stakes of the election and and all of our fundamental rights that are at stake. And then with the vacancy we have and the confirmation battle over Judge Barrett, uh, the importance of it just became all the greater. Now, people don't know about you, sir. You spent years as Solicitor General uh, in Texas. You've argued 80 times in front of the Supreme Court. You know it, and you know uh, the system and and the players well. But within this conversation about Amy Coney Barrett and her nomination, you have an unlimited number of people on the political left who will tell you, they they tell me, uh, we're hypocrites because the Senate would not even bring the Merrick Garland consideration when he was nominated by Barack Obama to a vote, and here you you are bringing forth uh, and going to be engaging the conversation in the vote on Amy Coney Barrett. How do you answer the hypocrisy conversation? Well, sure, and, and I understand that sentiment. But but if you look at historical practice and precedent, what the Senate did in 2016 and what the Senate is doing now, uh, in both instances, uh, is entirely consistent with two centuries of practice and precedent. So. The situation where we find ourselves right now, a Supreme Court vacancy that occurred during a presidential election year, this is not new. This has happened 29 times in our country's history. 29 times there's been a vacancy that occurred in a presidential election year. Presidents nominated someone for those vacancies all 29 times. It's clear that's what presidents do, whether you're Republican or Democrat. If there's a vacancy, you make a nomination. Now, what has the Senate done? Well, history shows there are two very different scenarios. Nineteen of those times, the Senate and the president were from the same party. When the president and the senator of the same party, the Senate confirmed 17 out of those 19 nominations. That's two centuries of history, what the Senate has done. How about the other 10 times? The other 10 times, the Senate and president were of opposite parties. In those instances, the Senate has confirmed only two of those 10 nominees. As a general matter, the Senate doesn't confirm a nominee if the president and senator are of opposite party. Now, you might say, Tony, well, well, that's just, just partisan. 
it's actually much more significant and fundamental than that. It's part of the constitutional design. It's part of the checks and balances. In order to get a Supreme Court justice, you need a president and you need a majority of the Senate. And that was designed as, as a check and balance. And, and the kind of justices that, that are nominated and confirmed was a major issue in 2016. It was a major difference between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Trump promised to nominate justices in the mold of Scalia and Thomas. Hillary pr- promised to nominate liberal activist judges. And, and the American people made a choice. And it was also a big issue in the Senate elections in 2014 and 2016 and in 2018. Three elections in a row, the American people elected a Republican majority to the Senate. So in 2016, because the American people had elected a Republican majority of the Senate, we did not confirm a judicial activist to the court. Instead, we waited for the election. But I think the question we are going to confirm a principled constitutionalist because that's what the American people elected us to do. I think the question that people ask is they could have accepted if you didn't confirm, although maybe they wouldn't have accepted if you didn't confirm Merrick Garland, but you didn't even call the vote. I think that's where people go, hey, that's a problem. You don't see it that way? No, because what the Senate said, and so, and so the, the book, I have one vote away, it actually starts with this issue. So, 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 so the opening chapter, the, the opening story, it starts on the day Justice Scalia died. And, and actually, that, that was in February 2016. It was the day of the South Carolina presidential uh, debate. And, and so I was in South Carolina. I was actually at a debate prep session with my team getting ready for the debate that evening. And, and my body guy comes in, knocks on the door and says, says, hey, have you heard the news about Scalia? And we're like, what, what news? And I said, well, he died. And, and we actually found out several hours before the news became public, because if you'll recall, Scalia passed away at a hunting lodge in West Texas. He died in his sleep. And, and the local sheriff there called me and called John Cornyn, the other senator from Texas, to give us a heads up uh, that, that he just found Scalia's body dead. And so we spent the rest of the day brainstorming about what to do. As soon as the news became public, I immediately called on the Senate to keep the seat vacant. Why? So the American people could make a choice in November. Now, if there had been a Democratic majority, they would have confirmed the justice. But but that's part of the reason. It was a big part of the reason the American people chose uh, a Republican majority in the Senate. You, lo- you look at the, the, the state of Indiana. A, a big part of the reason that Mike Braun got elected is because the people of Indiana wanted a Republican majority, and, and that was to not confirm judicial activists and to confirm judges who will protect the Constitution and Bill of Rights. At the end of the day, this is about democratic accountability, about the voters having the right to elect the president and to elect the Senate. And if, and if they both have a shared mandate, then, then the president in nominating Judge Barrett was honoring his promise to the American people and the Senate majority We're going to confirm Judge Barrett, and when we do that, we'll be honoring our promise to the American people. Talking to Senator Ted Cruz, the book, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. It's at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. 
Let me bring it back to Amy Coney Barrett, right? We talk about Indiana, you know, Hoosiers seem to do this right. And you were on with uh, Mark Levin, Life, Liberty, and Levin there on Fox News, and talking about how the attack on her is twisted and deranged. You had Politico try and go down this road of Handmaid's Tale, Washington Post today going down the same road. You had Senator Dianne Feinstein, who you served with on the Judiciary Committee, talking about how the, the dogma, which is what she said to Amy Coney Barrett, the dogma lives uh, within you. Um, the Constitution is clear, Article 6, about no religious litmus tests, yet right. somehow we're right now watching a religious litmus test. When it comes to uh, the Judiciary Committee, what is going to be said on this subject? What can we expect to hear from you and others regarding these religious attacks on Amy Coney Barrett? Well, the religious attacks are, are shameful and completely unacceptable. Uh, next week, the confirmation hearing will start. Uh, I unfortunately expect Senate Democrats to try to turn it into a political circus, much as they did with the Judge Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, and, and, and to go after Judge Barrett. Now, they're having a hard time. They're not finding much to criticize. Her, her credentials are impeccable. As you know, she was first in her class at Notre Dame Law School. She was a law clerk to the great Justice Antonin Scalia. She's been a law professor at Notre Dame for 20 years, and, and she's one of the most respected federal appellate judges in the country. And, and on top of all that, she's a mom of seven kids, which, which i got to admit, Tony, I can't imagine just doing that, much less everything else Judge Merritt has, has managed to do in, in her incredible career. Um, I met with her a couple of weeks ago at the Capitol. Uh, what I was most impressed with was her temperament. Uh, she is quiet. She is scholarly. She is serious. She is she is cool and collected, and and she very much has a judicial temperament. And and look, you got to understand this as a as a human matter. A couple of months ago, she was a law professor and judge in Indiana. She could go out for a walk in the park, and and nobody knew who she was. Suddenly, the entire world is descended on her and her family. There's a maelstrom swirling around her. The attacks are coming at her. They're attacking her kids, which is really despicable. Uh, and kids should be totally off-bound. And then the other attack they're doing is they're going after her because, because she's Catholic. She's a woman of faith. And, and uh, you know, in, in her first confirmation hearing, Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, he, he asked her if she was an orthodox Catholic. Now, now, I'm not sure what that modifier orthodox was meant to convey. I mean, she's not a member of the Greek or, or, or Russian Orthodox Church, but, but I think what he meant by orthodox was basically, do, do you really believe this stuff? Right. Um, and, and, and then, as you noted, Feinstein, her comment it, w w will go down in the annals of infamy for saying the dogma lives loudly in this one. And, and, and it seems to be the view of some Senate Democrats that people of faith, whether you're Catholic, whether you're evangelical, whether presumably you're an Orthodox Jew, but, but if you're a person of faith, they seem to believe that you're not fit to serve as a judge or in public office. As you noted, the Constitution explicitly prohibits a religious test. Uh, but I think they want to defeat this nomination. This is about politics. It has nothing to do with who Judge Barrett is. It has everything to do with something I talk about at, at great length in, in the book One Vote Away, how the left in the 1960s, they made a decision that, that their policies and agendas, they were having a hard time convincing the American people they were a good idea. 
So they decided instead of going through the democratic process, let's go to the courts. And it's a lot easier to get five unelected lawyers wearing robes to decree our policy ideas than to go through the messy process of democracy and convincing their fellow Americans. It's why the Democrats are so out of their minds upset at this nomination, because this is they view the court as their super legislature. That's not what the court's supposed to be doing. But for Democrats, it's what they want them to do. And there's no doubt that the political left views the courts as theirs. And sometimes the Senate can change uh, in degrees. I only have a couple minutes left with you. I want to get the, the next two questions in one just about uh, the president, the coronavirus uh, diagnosis and how the media is treating it with a tremendous amount of fear mongering. And it seems very obvious to me that they would have rather the president stayed in the hospital in some level of serious illness. Is there fear on Capitol Hill that Donald Trump is going to give you coronavirus? virus any second now none whatsoever look the, the the media and the far left they hate trump it's, it's the one unifying factor is they're filled with with hatred of uh, of donald j trump and it really on the media it's broken the media i mean it, it was really sad seeing them essentially ticked off that he didn't die in the hospital and and Look, all of us ought to be giving thanks and praying when our president and first lady gets sick, whether you agree with him politically or not. Uh, we should want our president to be healthy and strong. I, I spoke with the president two days ago. Um, I called him at the White House shortly after he got home, and, and he was he was in good spirits. His voice was strong. He sounded really good. I was very encouraged. But, but it's also disgusting to see the media really, I mean, openly – openly rooting for him to get sick and, and, and not survive. You know, there was a time in political discourse where you could disagree with someone but not be rooting for them to die. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's part of the ugliness of our, our uh, public discussion right now. Before I let you go, the book One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Changed Can Change History from Senator Ted Cruz, available at Amazon.com where books are sold. So let me ask you, what was the decision from the Supreme Court that should have been but wasn't because it was one vote away? What's that decision for you? Well, there there are a lot of decisions that, that, that could have been the other way. Um, many of the ones that I discuss in the book, so the way the book is structured, each chapter is on a different constitutional liberty. So there's a chapter on free speech, there's a chapter on religious liberty, there's a chapter on the Second Amendment. And what I do is I tell war stories. As you noted, I, I spent my career before the Senate as a Supreme Court litigator. So I take readers behind the scenes, behind the curtain, to understand who the justices are and, and and I delve into landmark cases, big cases that were 5-4, that were just one vote away from losing our fundamental liberty. So, so for example, religious liberty. I defended the Ten Commandments monument on the Texas State Capitol grounds. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. We won 5-4, preserving that monument, but four justices were ready to order, send in the bulldozers, tear down that monument. Uh, I defended a veterans memorial, a lone, right Latin, uh, a, a lone white Latin cross erected to honor the men and women who died in World War One. ACLU saw, sued to tear it down. They won in the district court. They won in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. We took it to the Supreme Court. We won 5-4. I represented three million veterans. Four justices were ready to tear down every veterans memorial in this country. And, and it's an assault on free speech. 
the Second Amendment. Four justices are ready to effectively erase the Second Amendment from the Bill of Rights. And what I would encourage your viewers, this is right now the number one bestseller in the country on Amazon. And, and, and I think it's because it's, it's readable and fun and interesting. And, and it is you don't have to be a lawyer to enjoy this book. You know, a lot of people look at the court. They know it's important, but it's kind of confusing. They're not sure what's going on there. This book, if you care, if you want to know more about the court and what's happening, this this book is helpful. If you want to know more about the stakes of this election in November, this book is is designed for you. And if you want to understand this this massive battle over over Judge Amy Coney Barrett, this book will give you the information, the tools, so that when you're talking to your friends and family, you can understand what's really going on. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Uh, and, and I would encourage you. I think you'll enjoy it. it, it it's a fun and interesting read. See, so like a professional, he answered my question with buy the book and find out. That's, that's how it's done. <laughs> Senator Ted Cruz, I appreciate you taking the time. What, the book, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. And we look forward to having you back sometime soon. Terrific. Thanks, Tony. Bye-bye. Always a pleasure, sir. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.